0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin today calling in the spirits to gather around us and support us in our gathering here today. So I call out to the ancestors, I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into your life and into mine. I call out to those ancestors on whose shoulders we stand, those people who dreamt of a future and we are that future, those who taught us to dream and as we dream of a future, the descendants are coming. So I call out to those ancestors who lived well and died well and brought to us the legacy of spiritual warriorship and the grace and the presence and the awareness of how to be in the world in a good way. So I call out to these ancestors, mine and yours, to gather round us here today to hold us well, that we might be strong in our footing and clear in our aim, and and that we might bring home from this time together the bounty. So I call out to that most ancient and beautiful ancestor, the earth. We give thanks to her for the wonder of this day, the beauty of life on earth, the beauty, the miracle of life. Even in the places on the planet where there is conflict and there are disasters, there is in that the great turning of the wheel. And so we give thanks for the earth for the fact that inherent in this dream of life on earth, there is always the possibility of healing as long as we are alive and breathing. So we give thanks to the earth for this generosity in the dream and for the beauty and the possibility and the hope that this brings to all of us. We give thanks to the earth for a place to ground and to call home and to be present and show up for what the day has in store for us. We give thanks for the connection and the possibility of being here in the real world in a real way. We give thanks for the interconnectedness of things and the deeper truth that we are one with all things. And may the earth help us to learn how to be here manifest in form in a good way, for all living things. And with our feet firmly planted in the earth and the ancestors gathered round, let us find the strength and the inspiration to reach up from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and through our mind, through the sky above and through the sky, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. And let our energy dance with the heavenly bodies and all the great mysteries of the universe and reach out all the way to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you call this power we call it down bringing down the energy of the sky realm the energy of above and drawing into ourselves and into our circle and into our day the energy of blessings call in through this energy the energy of generosity and benevolence and all the wisdom of the cosmos it is all here for us drawing in that energy from those ancient ancestors from the stars And finally, we draw in from above the energy of protection and let us know that in our lives through the mentors that we find and the champions that arrive to help us with our cause. We call out to this energy to help us to know true devotion in our lives to our soul's true purpose. So as we draw the energy of the sky realms down and the earth realm up, let these energies mix within our body to bring us into the exact perfect blend for us today that we might go forward in a way that is balanced and whole, even though we are yet an art work in progress. So with these energies within us, let us call out to that rich and fertile ground, that territory of the heart. We call the heart to be present and to be full and open, to be strong and to be clear, And we call out to the heart to draw up the energies of the deeper realms, the deep passions that run in our bellies that know why we are here. And we draw down the clarity and inspiration and ability to align things in the mind. And we draw these energies together in the heart and let them blend each in their own way to draw out that nectar, that essence, that deep heart memory that is why you are here. And let us draw that forward into our awareness that we might move in this day in a way that brings our gifts to the world. May we do so in a way that is good for all living things. So with the spirits gathered round, I give thanks. May we hear what needs to be heard and speak what needs to be spoken. I want to give special thanks to Mark and Cecily and Anne and all of the listeners who have donated uh, to keep the show live and free to the extent that you can get access to a computer free um, and on the air for people changing every week. Um, If this show is meaningful for you in any way, I ask you to allow that meaning in the heart to move you. Even if you're upset by the show, it has moved you. And I ask you to act on that movement. This is the core essence or energy of shamanism that we learn to be motivated by the heart, that we are motivated in our life by the heart memory of why we are here And we are motivated in the world by those things which have heart and meaning and that we become in that way a great force of nature rolling out into the world, doing the things that have heart and meaning. So there is no energy left to do the things that don't. And so I ask you if you are moved by this show to do something. To strengthen the show itself, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate any amount, large or small. It is all um, greatly welcome and appreciated and does keep the show on the air. Every, Every dollar, every ruble, every whatever you send goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you are not able to do that, share the show with someone who needs to hear it. Share the show with others. Find a way to help the show to grow. And for this, I am truly grateful. So today, our show is about shamanism and the spiritual warrior. And I want to confess that we are not actually live this week. Um, I will be teaching Dance of the Shadow Self, um, which is a week where we engage in shamanic techniques for the process of transforming your shadow energies from enemies to allies. And this is um, deep spiritual warrior work. It is about directly facing your fears and transforming what you find there into allies that will support you in your life. Um, And so this show, the topic of this show, is um, offered up uh, in honoring those intrepid souls who will be with me um, this week doing this dance. Um, If you do have questions about today's show, though, please email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and... um, We need to start collecting questions for another Stump the Shaman show, so please feel free to send in your questions. So, spiritual warriorship. There are many, 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 many paths of spiritual warriorship. Shamanism is certainly one, but it is not, by any stretch of the imagination, the only path. It is the one we'll be talking about today, though. Um, So, I want to share with you these words. They come from the introduction of the Toltec I Ching by William Horton and Martha Ramirez Oropesa. And they go like this. It has long been observed that people can be overthrown without force if their spirit can be defeated first. The opposite, of course, is equally true. Even when defeated by force, people cannot be overcome so long as their spirit remains undefeated. And this, this speaks to us about the greater collective reason That spiritual warriorship is so critically important in each of our individual lives because it is through our own spiritual warriorship looking at what is going on inside of ourselves that we clear that inner landscape so that we are able to um, stand in our life strong in spirit and not be overthrown by those forces of the day. That might um, seem hell bent on overthrowing us. Um, I've mentioned a couple times how challenging um, 2010 was for me because of the various ways that my life got caught up in in systems of greed that were far larger than me. Um, the The housing, mortgage craziness that's going on in America, getting caught up in the divorce proceedings of my partner and how our American justice system in its effort to um, make sure that everyone has freedom and rights pretty much just made sure that this greedy woman could continue to ask for everything and that she had a right to do that. And that's part of the system. And it was um, terrifying to be caught up in a system that seemed to just keep tumbling us, no matter what we did, deeper and deeper into greed. And there were many days, many days that all I could do in the face of this was sit in that inner landscape and to know to know the truth of my own spiritual warriorship to date and to sit in the strength of that and know that even if we lost everything, I would not be losing in my life the things that mattered most. That all that I value most and I have cultivated most deeply in my life will go with me, will go with my soul when I end this lifetime. And that these are the fruits of spiritual warriorship. And there were many days that that it was only because I could stand firmly on that territory that these huge forces um, afoot in America at least could not take me out and it was challenging to face that day after day after day and um i don't i don't know what would have happened i don't know what happens for people that don't have that to have been caught up in that great tumultuous um flood in America of greed and self-service and um shirking of responsibilities. I mean, the whole thing was just obscene. So back to spiritual warriorship. What I, The point that I'd like to make today about spiritual warriorship, one, is that it is the path for all of us, each in our own way. We are here to be engaged in our life in a way, in the way of the spiritual warrior. That's It's not why we are here. We're here for our soul's purpose, but it's the only way we're going to get to our soul's purpose. So it's sort of about how we need to be here, how we need to engage with life. And this isn't just for those other people. This is for every one of us. And what spiritual warriorship looks like in someone's life depends on who they are and where they are and what their skill set is. In other words, the warriorship for someone um, deeply addicted can simply be the warriorship of ending that uh, relationship with whatever they're addicted to and claiming their own freedom of choice. And that could be the warriorship of a lifetime, of this lifetime. For others who are in a different place in life, the warriorship could require you know, bringing a set of teachings into the world or engaging in new ways to... Uh, Plant the seed of peace in the world. You know, it's different for different people. That we are talking about spiritual warriorship doesn't mean we are talking about big, famous, dramatic. It means we're talking about what is warriorship for you in this moment given where you are in this life. So when we – oh, so that was the one point I wanted to make. The second point that I'd like to be able to make today – I'm going to do my best – is that it, this is actually the first in a series of um, shows that I want to do that I consider sort of contemporary myth-busting. Because one of the things that I am noticing, and this is my second point, is that very, very important states of being that are part of um, our spiritual journey here in our life and, and our journey of spiritual warriorship, like the idea of being a spiritual warrior, or a hollow bone, or the wounded healer, these, these different archetypal paths that, that we are here to walk, that they are getting shoved more and more completely into the realm of psychology as a metaphor to be trotted out whenever we want to give someone's traumatic life experience meaning and then put back. And they're not being, they are less and less being understood. As a path we must walk with our life. They are not just ideas or metaphors um, that we, it's like, I mean, it is as if it is simply a color. And today you're going to dress in blue and be the spiritual warrior, and tomorrow you're going to be back in green. I mean, that is not what spiritual warriorship is. Any arc. Of life, Any archetypal path that is an arc of life that humans walk and have walked forever and will walk forever. This is, this is the essence of the teachings of the cycle is that there are these archetypal life processes. We are always in one of them. So wake up. Which one are you in? And given that, what are you supposed to be doing to participate with your real life? The life of your soul and your body engaged here in the real world. So there are these life processes, and we are in these arcs always of these processes, of these archetypal processes. And yes, they are each also a metaphor, but they are not only a metaphor. And we are moving to a time where people switch them in their mind as ideas like hats instead of acting, understanding that these are Ways of engaging with the world. That these are paths of life that require action. They require dedication, devotion, sacrifice, breath, blood, reality. And that is my second point of the day. So we'll see if I can get there with both these points. So when we speak of spiritual warriorship, we are speaking of how we engage with our spirit in our day-to-day life. Do you pay attention at all? to your spirit in your everyday day or only when you go off to a workshop or only on Sundays when you go to church is your soul and its reason for being here, something that you consider daily. Would you know the voice of your own soul? If it spoke to you now, can you tell the resonance, the tone, the quality of that voice, in amongst all the other voices in your head. Do you know the voices of those inner voices who would sway you from the path that that soul wants you to walk on? Because the soul requires spiritual warriorship from you. And there are many, many voices, especially in the contemporary American head, that says, you know what, you don't really need to bother. Right? You can think your way through that. Or why bother at all? So my question is... Do you even consider your soul in your everyday life? Joss Whedon, who's actually one of the great storytellers of our time. Um, I don't know why they keep canceling his shows, but I'm obviously not a TV producer. Um, Oh, would TV be brilliant if I was? But I'm not, not my soul's purpose, so sorry. Anyway, at the end of Angel... Um, Angel, for those of you who don't know, was a vampire with a soul because of a really, really great gypsy curse. I mean, that curse was, as curses go, that was really at the top of the line. But anyway, tonight Tanaka do caught up in Angel and its mythology at the end. So Angel is constantly fighting to save the world, see, show after show, season after season, to do good, um, to, to be moved by his soul. Okay. So here we have Angel. And in the very end, Wolfram and Hart, Ram, and Hart, who are the bad guys, um, just say to him, basically, you know, stay down. Why do you keep fighting? And Angel says something noble. And this is at the end of the last show of the last season of Angel. You know, why do you keep fighting? You know, why do you, why do you bother? Especially for a bunch of human beings that would rather stake you because you're a vampire. But anyway, the point is, they say, why do you keep fighting? And he says something noble. And he says, but don't you see? This is the bad guys. They say, but don't you see? We've already won. And Angel looks utterly shocked and befuddled. Like, what do you mean? And, he said, and they say, we've already won. Nobody cares. And then they pan, the camera pans to all of the ordinary things everyday Americans do in their everyday life to numb out, tune out, eat the wrong foods, um, listen to the wrong stories, do all of the things that allow them to utterly and completely disengage from the voice of their soul in the path of the spiritual warrior. It was a moment of brilliance in storytelling. Talk about a contemporary speaker of myth. It was brilliant and frighteningly close to the truth, if not the truth. And here it was on TV, like regular, like 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock TV, right there for you all to see. So this is, this is the issue at this point of spiritual warriorship. There are too many voices in our life, too many voices in our head, that tell us it's no longer necessary. And some of those voices are our therapists, That it's enough for it to be a metaphor. And I am here, Knife Sings in the Wind. It's my new name. I was ordained last week, my new given name, Knife Sings in the Wind. I am here to speak a deeper truth. Spiritual warriorship is the path for everyone. How you walk it is your own choice, is your own gift to the world. But it is not enough for it to be a metaphor. It will never be enough. It never has been. It is not now. And it never will be. So what we're talking about today is walking that path. So people always say to me, oh, Christina, it's human nature. And, you know, because we live in this time when nobody does care. And that it takes a car wreck. It takes a terminal illness. It takes a dream utterly lost for people to wake up today. That isn't necessary. And people say, oh, well, that's just human nature. And I would say to you, no, it is not. That is not human nature. Because what I believe is true about human nature is that it is one of nobility and courage. That is one of innovation and creativity. That is human nature. The other is simply... Laziness and entropy and the result of humans being willing to accept a lie, the lie that we are separate from God and that we must spend our whole life struggling to be accepted into whatever you believe the chosen circle is, because the deeper truth is you are one with all things, divinity is present in all of it equally, and you are here to walk the path of warriorship in your life and bring your gifts to the world, and that you can do that because you are a piece of the oneness, because you are a piece of that divine energy, and because it's your only reason to be here. That's human nature. That's who we are. There is nobility. There is courage. There is innovation and creativity in the true nature of a human being. And this is what I am here today to advocate for. So there's a, a group of people way up in the Andes in, um, I think, actually Peru and Ecuador. I only visited them in Ecuador. And these people are culture today. Their culture is largely still intact, as it was in first contact with the Spaniards. And they are a culture of artisans and musicians and healers, and in particular, shamans. And their culture thrives today. Why? Because they are the epitome of a people who just accepted the conquerors, let them in, fed them dinner and said, great, fine, sure, we'll do whatever you want. Now go away. And they just kept doing what they were doing anyway. Their spirit is so strong in their art. It is so strong in their music. It is so strong in their healing, but it is also so so strong in their culture. It is a culture of spiritual warriorship. In a very heartfelt, gentle, non-aggressive, non-battle um, sense of warrior way. But it is a culture that, that lends towards deep internal spirit work. And thus they've never been conquered. They live pretty much as they did before. Certain things have changed. But basically, they're the heart of their teachings, the heart of their culture remains alive. And droves of Americans leave on tours daily to go learn their shamanic teachings. So when we talk about spiritual warriorship, we are talking about the force of spirit and in particular acting, being willing to act in a way that is motivated by that force of spirit. So why? So what is spiritual warriorship? So I'm going to go back now to the Toltec I Ching to quote it. But let me tell you why I've been drawing on this text often in our shows. Because I feel at this time that we live in a time on the planet. I can, I would say this for the whole planet right now, not every group of people on the planet, but particularly the Western thinking world, that we are a great polarizing force that the isms, all of the isms, political, religious, whatever, all the isms have not gone so well. They're great polarizing forces on the planet. And what has come of that in its um, simple-mindedness, is very simple-minded thinking, um, what has come of that is, for example, with the focus on the masculine as the warrior and the feminine as the nurturer exclusively – that we have lost to this negative cultural judgment the nurturing aspects of masculine energy and the warriorship aspects of the feminine. And so I believe that at this time we must begin to speak of warriorship in a way that clearly expresses the fullness of the human experience here, the fullness of this archetypal energy that warriorship has masculine and feminine manifestations or yin and yang is present in all things which is not so much about a duality as it is about paradox and paradox pokes at our brain right paradox annoys our mind we would like a simpler story than something paradoxical we would prefer a god that's going to fix everything and we're either going to go to heaven or hell at the end of the day And the truth, the problem with that is it doesn't reflect the truth. The deeper truth of our existence here and the real energies is the paradox of the Tao, of the way, of nature. And so we need to understand warriorship. Before we can even talk about your spiritual warriorship in your life, we have to be able to shift our concept of warriorship to understand it in a balanced way, in a way that holds the yin-yang paradox. So, for me, the I Ching, the Toltec I Ching does this beautifully. And so I'm going to quote from it here. So an example would be, uh, again, from the Toltec I Ching. The masculine half of the spirit warrior guides the movement and energy of unseen forces, stirring them up and then setting them in motion, calling them forth and then directing them against the places where benefit is is dammed up and unable to follow its natural course. At the same time, the feminine half of the spirit warrior collects the movement and energy of unseen forces, calming them, bringing them together in harmony, and making a place for them to gather strength, and then making that source of benefit open and available to all. So the spirit warrior then always wages the battle in the inner world of the soul, not the mind in the inner world of the soul. And so another thing that is particularly important to understand about true spiritual warriorship is if you are not feeling anything, you are not doing it. Sorry. It's not a thought. It's not a metaphor. You can't do it in your head. Not that your head, your mind doesn't serve this process, but the battlefield of the spiritual warrior is not the mind. The battlefield of the spiritual warrior is the soul. It is the movement of the soul in the life. And so it is in the heart, it is in the body, and it must be felt. So um, in the Toltec I Ching, uh, we'll continue with describing spirit, the spirit warrior. So the capacity to resist being overcome in the outer world is a direct reflection of our capacity to resist being overcome by our inner fears, doubts, and passions. It is here on this inner battlefield battlefield that we confront the perennial enemy, the real enemy, the most insidious enemy. It is here in the daily war within the inner world of the soul That we confront the enemy within, that shadow side of ourselves, making up all of our self-defeating attitudes and behaviors. The spirit warriors are defined then by their conscientious dedication to defeating the enemy within. And so that is the conscientious dedication to dismantling those defeating attitudes and behaviors. So William continues in the Toltec Ching. Our self-defeating attitudes and behaviors continue even when we wish them to stop because they have become habits of thought, feeling, and memory. To defeat our self-defeating habits, it is necessary to replace them with new and decisively constructive habits of thought, feeling, and memory. How do we do this? That is a very, very good question. So this is actually, from my perspective, the great uniqueness of the cycle of transformation, which is the four-year training that I teach. It is not a program precisely to train shamans. It is a program of spiritual warriorship. It is to train anyone with the skills they need to do what they've come here to do, to become spirit warriors. In the world, and to, to bring a kind of consciousness of oneness, or what I consider shamanic consciousness, but I've, some people have taken offense at that. So I would just say a consciousness of the oneness of all things, and an ability to act in the world from that place of reality. That's what the teachings are. That's what the for your training is all about. <clears throat> so I believe that the shamans of the past were spiritual warriors, and um, that we and that. We cannot truly claim to be shamans of today if we are not spirit warriors today. And so the training that I offer, people say, well, why do I have to go through four years? Why can't I just learn how to be a shaman? And my perspective is you cannot be a shaman if you are not first a spirit warrior. And those are are the harder things to teach. The shamanic healing forms aren't that hard. Anybody can learn them. Obviously, people are every day all over America. To do them well, to do them right, to do them accurately, to do them deeply, to do them when things don't go as planned, that takes someone who has walked this path of spiritual warriorship. And I believe the shamans of the past were the ultimate spirit warriors of their community and that we cannot call ourselves shamans today if we are not engaging daily in our life as spirit warriors. And so this is the focus of the first years of the training that I offer. So William continues continues in the Toltec I Ching. <clears throat> so the training of the spirit warrior is what he's talking about now. He says, The training uh, this requires involves no less effort than that of an athlete or a musician to reach the pinnacle of their respective accomplishments. There are some important differences, however, whereas athletes and musicians generally display some special talent or interest before they are seriously trained in their fields every one of us has the innate capacity to be a spirit warrior. All we need is the sincere desire to defeat our self-defeating behaviors so that we might discover our true self and our true potential. Likewise, whereas athletes and musicians begin by training their outer actions first and their inner actions second, the spirit warrior begins by training their inner actions first and their outer actions second. We work to gain, contr- to gain control over our outer responses by first gaining control of our inner responses. <clears throat> Such training means finding a new way to look at the world and then consistently acting internally in harmony with that vision, allowing our thoughts and feelings to be shaped by our vision of the world rather than by the stories rather than by what is going on around us, rather than having our sense of the world being shaped by advertising or by media. That part, a big part of being a spirit warrior is holding your vision for the world, acting here in reality, seeing reality accurately, but holding a vision for the world that is um, not being spoon-fed and distorted by people that want to sell you things. People that want you to act and behave in a certain way. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the whole of the spirit warriors training, this goes back to the Toltec I Ching. The whole of the spirit warriors training consists of learning to treat the worlds as a living spirit of infinite form. And then to translate the ancients lessons into a way of life that proves meaning, meaningful and effective today. <clears throat> So spiritual warriorship, then, it is a metaphor, but not just a metaphor. It is not limited to that. That spiritual warriorship, actually, if you want to claim to have any of it, I mean, it's fine to understand it as a metaphor, but if you want to claim to have it, it's actually a way of life. And I was recently reading an article that talked about the importance of moving our ego and our rational mind out of the way to be a vessel for the power of the universe. And the author stated that the metaphor of the hollow bone described that state. And this is kind of what set me off on this um, path here. Because in a certain way, while the statement is correct, that in a way the statement isn't correct because the hollow bone is not just a metaphor. It is, I mean, to become the hollow bone is a profound act of spiritual warriorship that takes a whole lot of work to get to a place where we can truly be in that place. Um, And so it is more than the simple fact that if we, in other words, if we still have an ego rational mind activated in a way that it must be moved out of the way, then we are not yet the hollow bone. In other words, there is a state of ego and a state of rational mind that is part of the collective state known as the hollow bone state. So if we're shifting back and forth, we aren't there yet. In other words, with spiritual warriorship, there is still an ego after ego death. There is still a rational mind after these transformations. It's just they take their right place in the collective of the internal workings of a human. And so it's not that we simply move our rational mind out of the way and become the hollow bone. There is a state of being that uh, we have transformed our ego and our rational mind into a way of being, part of that state of being called hollow bone or called spiritual warrior or wounded healer. Whatever these things are, they are not metaphors we switch like hats. That they are states of being that we must, um, we can only truly achieve um, through our own personal work, through our own deep work. Now, I realize at this point in time I've annoyed half the universe. Okay, well, deal with it. Because the reason we can't switch these states of being like hats is because the false self, which is the one who's gleefully switching the hats... The false stealth will still distort your experience in your supposed, in your metaphoric spirit warrior, your metaphoric collarbone, your metaphoric wounded healer. As long as these are just metaphor and it's an idea and we're just switching hats, basically, our false stealth is still tainting that experience, is still coloring it and biasing it. That what these arcs of life describe are a life passage that transforms us so that there's no switching back and forth because there's no back to switch to. We are simply what we have become, and we bring that into every state of being. It's like the Qigong master who is asked, you know, what is the form that you practice? And she says, I practice every moment of every day. She is in that Qigong state every moment of every day because she is a master this is what this is who she is this is what she does. She has been transformed by that arc of life um, into that state of being and so what I would say is that the spirit warrior is not a metaphor I mean it is a metaphor it is not only a metaphor it is a state of being that we are each here with the opportunity to create in our lives. And if you truly want to live your soul's purpose, you really can only do that if you choose to be a spirit warrior. Because you know what? The world would be really happier if you would sit down, shut up and behave yourself and not try to innovate and do something new. So if you want to do something new and your soul's purpose by definition is a new thing, then you must, there will be spirit warriorship behind that. So this idea though, that is propagating through too much self-help Too many people getting really rich writing those sort of psychologically based transformational books that don't really tap very much deeper into the emotion and the spirit and the body. Too much is going on. It's starting to spread like an unwanted fungus that the metaphor is beginning to replace the reality. Why? Because the metaphor is kind of step one. And Oprah's done a beautiful job offering step one to people over and over and over again every day for weeks and weeks and weeks, for years and years and years. Step two is more challenging. So step three, imagine step 45. I mean, no one wants to go there because it's actually challenging. But step one is so exciting because you have that that burst of freedom from getting out of the confines of the old stories and the self-defeating patterns. if you burst into this new place and you're like, phew, I've arrived, only to realize you are at the bottom of a very tall staircase. And people go, oh, crap. And they sit back down again and watch TV. And the problem with that is particularly now, TV is not a good storyteller. It is the storyteller of our time. But the stories are junk food, just like the food people eat while they watch them. It's no wonder you watch for hours and hours waiting to hear a story that will nourish your soul. The journey you are here to be on, the spiritual warriorship necessary to bring your soul's purpose to the world is the story your soul wants to hear and experience. That's what you're waiting for every night, hour after hour as you're clicking through stations. That's what your soul is looking for, your story, the true legend that is your life. That's what the spiritual warrior in you is looking for. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but particularly right now, it is not on TV. So the metaphor. So let's move on from that. So what is the first real step of spiritual warriorship today? the first real step out of the metaphor into action is to be willing to release your stories. So what does that really mean? So what is a story? Okay. This is really simpler than you might think a story is anything you tell yourself about who you are, no matter how much based in the facts of your life it is that is other than this story. You are born of the oneness. You are part of the oneness. You have come here to bring a unique gift to the world. And that's your entire reason for being here. And it is your only responsibility. That's it. That's the only story. All the other stories you care about how to be carry, about how to be right, how to succeed, how to do this, that, and the other thing, they're all stories. And not that you have to dump them all at once, but the path of the spirit warrior is to dismantle those stories and to let them go and to allow yourself to feel the resonance of that one true story that you are connected to all things you are one with all things and the divine nature of that life force resonates within you and that all things around you are also part of that oneness and that your job here is to express your uniqueness Anything other than that is a story that is up for grabs to be released. So what does it mean to release? Now, there are layers of release. And I very specifically did not say levels. Because I don't want anyone to get the idea of some kind of hierarchy or things being better or deeper or whatever. And all of that competition that exists in the realms of healing and and in particular alternative healing. I said layers because there are layers of release because this is what I have I personally have experienced and what I have observed in people working with this this question of how do I release the stories how do I support you to release your stories I have lived my life in that question for over 25 years and what I see is that there are layers of release different modalities help us release at different layers and that sometimes no matter what we do, even if we are releasing at the absolute most deep layer, that it may take another healing in another way way to bring us to a place where we're able to continue to release that story. So just understand that one, energies, stories, traumas, wounds, all these different things get released in layers. And that ultimately a complete release of something must be released in your spirit body, in your mental body, which means your psychology, your psychological patterns, your stories, your beliefs, your um, thoughts about where the world came from, all that stuff. There's a lot in that mental realm. It must be released in your emotional body, in your emotional heart, and it must be released from your physical body. And then it must get integrated And then implement it in your life so it gets released from your actions and your patterns with other people, with other things, and how you function in the outer world. So it goes from the inner to the outer. And it must be released ultimately in all those realms to truly be released. So what was the statement? Be willing to release your stories. So I've talked about what is a story and what does it mean to release. What does it mean to be willing? What does it mean to be willing to release your stories? So just because you took a training doesn't mean you released your stories. Just because you did an initiation, I mean, I went all the way to Nepal and did an initiation, that doesn't mean I'm initiated as a Nepalese shaman, right? Just because you go do something doesn't mean that you actually completed the process yet, that you've released everything through all those layers of your being. So how? What does it mean to be willing to release your stories? For me, the first thing that it meant was to want my freedom more than my safety. And if you can make that internal shift, if you can look around your life, and not everybody can do this because their life isn't safe yet. And that's, that's important to respect. But for me, even in my poverty life in Manhattan, the bottom line is I was still safe. And so what we need to do as adults is look around our life and acknowledge the reality that we are safe and that we are capable of dealing with dangerous situations, but that in general, day to day, we are safe. And, and again, that's not true for everybody on the planet, but for those of you that it is true for, it's time for you to drop the stories from your childhood that say you're not safe And to accept the reality of your contemporary life. You are safe. And to listen to your soul. Your soul wants the freedom to do what it came here to do. It doesn't want safety. Children want and need safety. That's entirely valid from a child. Adults, the heart, the soul, the soul's purpose wants the freedom to make, to create, to be, to live, to dance, to sing, to celebrate, to be alive. So the first thing about being willing to release your stories is to trade in at the window, whole hog, every penny of wanting safety for a nice, big, shiny silver dollar of freedom. And just put that one silver dollar in your pocket. Flip it when you're happy, heads or tails. Take your choice with the forks on the road. But travel light with that desire in your heart for freedom. And from that desire in your heart for freedom can come the discipline and the devotion to turn over your stones and to begin that work daily of looking back over your life, what pushed your buttons, and how to work to begin to clear the stories and to release those energies. So as your focus shifts to releasing your stories, you will begin to notice the movement of the divine in all things. Some call it coincidence. Some call it magic. I don't really care what you call it. The point is you begin to notice that there is more going on here ...than you thought before. You will have good days and you will have bad days. But in that you will begin to sense... ...that there is more than you ever imagined... ...going on here. Which is wonderful and a bit terrifying. And that's good. And that you would really like some help. Which you have. And so the other side of step one... ...is to begin to work with spirit... and an ever deepening and ongoing... ...working relationship with spirit... So that's all step one. Step two. So this is the tricky part of spiritual warriorship. Step two. You're already working with spirit. You're willing to drop your stories. So the beginning of step two is to actually trust spirit. And understanding in your trusting of spirit that spirit expects you to take care of yourself. This is a really hard thing with people, but we need, as those of us, particularly in shamanism, who work with spirit, need to understand when someone says, why did you do something that is proven to be folly now that you've actually done it? The answer, well, well, spirit told me to, so it must be a good thing, is not a valid answer. Because that is no different Then the guy in um, Utah who hacked his mom and dad up with a hatchet and said, "Well, God told me to." It's the same thing. That we as the human being are responsible for the care and tending of the physical reality of the human being. And so, the first one of the first principles of warriorship in my training is to honor your limits and boundaries, and honor the limits and boundaries of others. But first foremost honor your limits and boundaries then honor the limits and boundaries of others and I say this as someone who overstepped my limits and overstepped my boundaries in the act of bringing my teachings into the world that the teachings from the helping spirits into the world for last mass center I overstepped my limits and my boundaries again and again and again and I paid for it and I really understand now this critical piece in our teachings. It is not enough to just do what spirit tells you to do. That our task, that spirit is giving us the vision, the big, the big dream, the idea, the, the whatever it is. It is our job then to run that by our truth cord. Is that right for me? If so, if it passes the truth cord test, then the next thing is to run it by your limits and boundaries. Do I have the resources to do this? Do I have the skills to do this? Do I have the knowledge to do this? Because we always assume we're supposed to be doing it right now or that we have to do it ourselves. And so one of the next questions is, you know, well, could I do it with other resources? Can I do it with other training? Um... Is it something I have to do alone or can I do it with other people? And so it is our task to honor our limits and boundaries and to understand what is necessary to do this great idea spirit has given us in a really good way. So we are, we are the ones that have free will here and we are supposed to be using it. And spirit is supporting us in learning to use it. So the thing to understand is spirit doesn't actually tell us what to do. If we just got told what to do, we really need to look at that and question it. Our ego tells us what to do all the time. The false self tells us what to do all the time. Internalized parents tell us what to do all the time. Spirit doesn't actually tell you what to do. Spirit helps you work on your vision, but you're the one with free will. You're the one who has to figure out how to do what you're going to do. And so... That's one of the first things to really understand. If you go to spirit and say, you know, what should I do? Spirit may give you an answer and you have got to understand that answer is a disguise worn by trickster to teach you to not go ask spirit what you should do. Now, to be fair. Working with spirit, I will say. Please show me the ritual that will allow this group of people who will gather here at this time to make this transformation using the element of air or something like that. Right? And so I'm certainly asking spirit how to do what has been determined to do. I mean, I'm always asking spirit to help me do what needs to be done and make sure I'm aligned with what it is. But I don't go ask, what should I do with my life? What should I do with my purpose? Understand that there is a distinction there. So the first half of this step is actually trusting the messages and learning to do the things that you don't understand or are frightened to do. So really trusting that you need to go do something that scares the crap out of you. That happens all the time and that's fine. That's great. The second half of the step is learning to discern the difference between doing whatever it takes and doing whatever it takes at all cost. And this is what I was really referring to when we don't honor our limits and boundaries is we are doing whatever it takes at all cost. And we haven't said, whoa, wait a minute. I am willing to do this. As crazy as it seems, I am willing to do this, but I am not willing to do this and martyr myself. Because in my teachings, well, in the teachings of Last Mass Center, the martyr is the shadow of the healer. And so to martyr yourself in any effort is to be in shadow. And that's not the point of you living your soul's purpose. So spirit warriorship requires that you act in the light, not in the shadow. The true act of spiritual worship never requires that you martyr yourself. It requires that you are clever and innovative and creative and say, okay, I'm willing to do this crazy ass thing that I need to do and I don't exactly know how to do it and these are my resources at this time. So do I need more resources? How can I do this in a good way for all living things, which includes you? And there are far too many practitioners that leave themselves out of that equation and martyr themselves again and again and again and I say this as a reformed. Martyrer, reformed, that this is important to understand in terms of spiritual warriorship, because you are not a spiritual warrior if your healer energy is in shadow. The spiritual warrior has to stand out in the light, period, not in shadow. So that is the second half of this step of learning to, and it is learning to discern the difference between doing whatever it takes, which is absolutely required, if you are to be a spiritual warrior and doing whatever it takes at all costs. Doing whatever it takes at all costs is what children do to survive. This is what we repair in soul retrieval work. This is not the behavior of a healthy, mature spiritual adult, and particularly not of a spiritual warrior. So to do whatever it takes... To do, to do whatever it takes is at the heart of spiritual warriorship. Doing it at all costs is the desperate act of a child to survive. A great warrior knows when it is time to surrender or to retreat or to choose stillness and not act at all. These are all times that the warrior is considering what is needed to live out the commitment to mature warriorship. Mature warriorship requires that we consider our debt to the cosmos and the need to pay that debt by living our soul's true purpose. To do that, we have to live. So surrender is the acceptance of certain death and the need to live to fight another day. It also involves trust in the universe, trust that the escape will present itself, and trust that another day will come. Retreat is the acceptance that reality is showing us we did not consider everything. Perhaps things were hidden to us, but nonetheless, we must retreat and reassess. And stillness is the warrior's understanding of the need for yin cultivation, that there is no act of greatness that comes out of an empty well. So stillness is the warrior's understanding of the need to gather, the need to tend, the need to cultivate the deep resources within, from which we will express our acts of spiritual warriorship, that the well needs to be full, it needs to be flowing, it needs to be available to nourish us. Given that, let your first act of spirit warriorship in this day be to tend yourself. You all have an inner warrior, whether you know it or not, you do. And talk to the inner warrior. It may take some time for some of you to even get the inner warrior's attention. But once you have the inner warrior's attention, ask in your heart of the inner warrior, what do I need to do today to nourish myself? To create a fertile and solid foundation for my true self? What do I need to do today to nourish myself? To create a fertile and solid foundation for my true self. And do one of those things, whether it is on your agenda for the day or not, but act as the spirit warrior that you are. Thank you everyone for listening here today. I hope you'll join us next week. Um, Next week on the 25th, um, I think it's the 25th, we are honored to have Paula Denham here, who is our next guest in the Society of Shamanic Practitioners interview series, and she is going to be sharing with us ways that she works with people outside of what has become the now common sort of spiritual consumerism workshop format. And instead, she has created a process of intimate and local training and apprenticeship in Sacramento, California. And she's going to come and talk with us about how that works for her and her People. So again, thanks to all of you for listening. There would be no point in doing the show if you weren't out there listening. I want to give thanks to the spirits that support us um, in each of these hours. I give thanks to the ancestors who have gathered round, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart energy that unites us all. I have a special thanks again to the Sacred Circle of the Great Mystery up in BC um, for your. Um, Great expression of spiritual warriorship and your commitment to developing true shamanism in the contemporary world. And for those of you who do not know, you can go to the website whyshamanismnow.com for archives of all of the shows, especially if you get confused by what's going on on iTunes, but you can certainly go there as well. And you can go to the co-creatornetwork.com site for archives. Um, for other informations about my trainings or healings with me or teachings, you can go to lastmaskcenter.org. And if you have any questions, feel free to email them to Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.